Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Well, happy glory day, y'all. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a reading that I got in my inbox, which if you've listened before, you may recognize the name. It's by Richard Rohr, and he is a Jesuit, and he founded the Center for Action and Contemplation. And so, yes, it is religiously based, but it is hyper-spiritual, less religious-oriented thought. And hang in there with me if you're a person who doesn't like religion. I promise you it's well worth it. It starts off at the beginning because there's the word resurrection. Obviously, that is a very heavily connotated Christian term. But it so speaks to our our program of recovery that I couldn't help but read it. And I'll comment it after I do so. So this one is called Order disorder reorder part one and us talking about the universal pattern and what Richard Rohr says is it seems quite clear that we grow by passing beyond some perfect order through an often painful and seemingly unnecessary disorder to an enlightened reorder or resurrection this is the universal pattern that connects and solidifies our relationships with everything around us this week's meditations focus on order the first in the sequence we will take a closer look at disorder and reorder in the following two weeks The trajectory of transformation and growth, as I see the great religious and philosophical traditions charting it, uses many metaphors for this pattern. We could point to the classic hero's journey charted by Joseph Campbell, the four seasons or four directives of must, four directions of most native religions, the epic accounts of exodus, exile, and promised land of the Jewish people, followed by the cross, death, and resurrection narrative of Christianity. Each of these deeply rooted quote-unquote myths in its own way is saying that growth happens in this full sequence— To grow toward love, union, salvation, or enlightenment, we must be moved from order to disorder and ultimately to reorder. A sense of order is the easiest and most natural way to begin. It is a needed first quote-unquote container. I cannot think of a culture in human history before the present postmodern era that did not value law, tradition, custom, family loyalties, authority, boundaries, and morality of some clear sort. While they aren't perfect, these containers give us the necessary security, predictability, impulse control, and ego structure that we need before the chaos of real life shows up. As far as I can see it, healthily conservative people tend to grow up more naturally and more happily than those who receive only free-form, build-it-yourself worldviews. This is so good, y'all. I can't wait to comment on this. We need a very strong container to hold the contents and contradictions that arrive later in life. Sound familiar? Look at our addiction. 
we ironically need a very strong ego structure to let go of our ego. I feel like, okay, so maybe I'm going to comment as I'm reading, but I feel like in our 12-step program, in the wisdom of the big book of the AA, we only come to know we have ego and we're acting out of ego and what ego is once we're given the structure and the education of what the ego is. He says, we need to struggle with the rules more than a bit before we throw them out. Think about the 12 steps. We only internalize values by butting up against external values for a while. Again, clarity that we get once we get into the program and we start to see what a sober life is versus an addicted life. All this builds the strong self that can positively follow Jesus, which is to die to yourself or to die one's dying to oneself. In our time, many people are questioning and rejecting the institutions, churches, and authority figures that have long provided stability. Looking to the perennial tradition, which is held up over time, can help create a positive container. We cannot each start at zero entirely on our own. This reminds me of how so many of us lacked that structure and discipline as children, or in my case, had over-discipline and over-structure, and were not meant to go out into the world on our own, forming our own rules. We need the structure of family. We need the order of discipline. We need to know where our boundaries are. And both as toddlers do and as teenagers do, that's when we start to push against the world to see where we fit in and what's right for us. But like our big book says, a life led on self-will run riot will destroy us. So that's why a lot of us thrive in recovery, thrive in treatment centers where we have this container of discipline around us. We're told when to wake up in treatment, for example, when to wake up, when to eat, when to go to class, when to rest, when to go to bed, what to eat, how much exercise to get. When I do jail work, it's the same thing with the men in jail. They are thriving because they're on a schedule. They're on a routine. If you think, by the way, you can't get stoned or drunk in jail, you are sorely mistaken. Staying sober in jail can be even more difficult than it can be in the outside world. But these men who are in recovery while they are incarcerated tend to do very well because they have that structure and discipline. And it's when we push the wrong way against those structures that we ultimately drive our bus off the cliff. So back to Richard Rohr. We cannot each start at zero entirely on our own. Life is far too short and there are plenty of mistakes we do not need to make. Though, of course, there are some that we do need to make. We are parts of social and family ecosystems that, when they are rightly structured, keep us from falling. Most importantly, these systems show us how to fall and how to learn from that very falling. So Richard Rohr, at the end of his reflections, he calls it a gateway to action and contemplation. So these are questions to consider after you've read something like that. And his gateway to action and contemplation is what words or phrases resonates with or challenges me. This is the same thing in Bible study. There's something called Lectio Divina. What you do is you center yourself and then you read scripture and then you you figure, you ask God to direct your thinking to something. And usually when you read it, a word or a phrase will come to you and then you ask God why. This is a more spiritual, less religious way of doing it. So he asks, what word or phrase resonates with 
or challenges me? What sensations do I notice in my body? What irks you? What what makes you breathe faster? What clenches your stomach? What makes you make a noise? I'm a really audible expressor. So I'll go mm, or ah uh, or yes. What is mine to do? So there is the questions. What do I respond to? What does my body respond to? And then the wisdom of what is mine to do? Because we can have a reaction or response to something, but it doesn't mean we're supposed to take action with it. Then he ends with a prayer for our community, which I love. And it reads, Oh, great love. Thank you for living and loving in us and through us. May all that we do flow from our deep connection with you and all beings. Help us become a community that vulnerably shares each other's burdens and the weight of glory. Listen to our heart's longings for the healing of our world. And then you can add your own specific intentions or prayer requests. Knowing you are hearing us better than we are speaking, we offer these prayers in all the holy names of God. Amen. So you can actually listen to Father Richard or read the prayer. You can find this daily meditation by visiting, let's see, Center of Action and Contemplation. I'm going to tell you where to find that now. It's cac.org. Ooh, and right away, there is a Mary Magdalene. Um, oh, that just changed. Anyways, so when you go onto this homepage, you'll see the different podcasts and readings that you can um, look at or listen to. And then at the bottom, it has join our email community. And so that's where I get the daily readings from. So I'm glad I commented as I was going instead of afterward because then I'd have to go back and figure out what spoke to me and what spoke to me is what I said. So really when you're thinking about a level of higher spirituality, getting sober is one of those direct lines to that if you let it work that way in your life. Everybody that I know in recovery that is solid and stable or is a fighter and can't seem to get it and keeps going is working their way up that staircase closer to God and closer to the fourth dimension. And so I encourage you, if you don't know how to do it, it's literally in our 12 steps. Like open the big book and look at it. It's very simple. It's not easy. But it's laid out for us steps 1 to 12. That's why we have sponsors. That's why we have meetings. That's why there's podcasts like this to help you navigate your way through it. You're not alone. And there is always someone willing to show you the way. So before you decide that it's not for you or it's too hard or it won't yield results, just try it. You literally have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I'm only just one person and there's hundreds of thousands or millions of us that can tell you the same thing, which is once we stopped being in our addiction, once the pain of change became less than the pain of staying the same, we decided to get recovered. And we're always here for you. That's why we're a community. That's why we understand each other. Stick close. Stay in the tribe. Keep coming back. We're always here for you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate every moment you spend with me. Time is our most precious commodity. And I do not take for granted that you spent this time with me. I've had a wonderful time hanging out with you. I hope this Sunday has been good to you. You're in my thoughts and prayers. And I'll talk to you soon.